hear the talking queers. Now that we're all here, the party can begin. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, bitch. <laughs> hey, bitch. Oh, hello. You just caught me cleaning my house. <laughs> oh, really? Cinderella, is that you? It's Tis I. Tis I. Wow. How fun. I'm so happy that you're doing that. Bitch, I, I think I'm high. I'm probably not even capable of recording this episode. <laughs> Great. Wow. Well, hey, do you know what? Sometimes that makes for the best episode. Right. Because you're just going to be, uh, you know, free of abandon. You're just right. going to... No or sh- full of abandon. No shame. I don't know. You're, you're going to be abandoned. No shame. <laughs> no guilt. No embarrassment. Yeah. No filter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Bitch, I'm just trying to push it to the edge of tomorrow. Uh, I was like, of glory? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah oh wait that's a that's a good idea for soundtrack sunday oh my god <laughs> you just stole my idea no you take it i already have my list for this one. Oh, so perfect okay you you can have that i'm one. on the edge of tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna do tomorrow from annie but uh, <laughs> maybe uh i shouldn't <laughs> Tomorrow, you tomorrow, ever- tomorrow, I'll kill ya. Tomorrow, <laughs> you're only a day. I have this noise, and it sounds like a freaking cat is being strangled. Away. <laughs> 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 She's not talented. She's not a songstress. Oh my god, that was gorgeous. Oh, you know what I was gonna say? Did you ever do Annie the Musical? I've never done Annie. No. Oh, okay. Have you? Have you done it? You I it. I did Annie. I was supposed to be Rooster, but this guy's got the part for it because his mom was a volunteer. Mine wasn't. They they robbed me. Oh my god! And you were an orphan. No, I ended up being. A, a, I wish I ended up being. A, um. You played Sandy the dog. No, I played Hooverville <laughs> from the Who? the the, ho- the homeless people on Skid Row that ended They're up homeless because Skid of. Row. I know. I wish it was that fun. Let's get. Let's <laughs> yeah. get. Let's get what we're trying to do. <laughs> yeah. So welcome to the show. I'm Jake. And I'm Frankie. We for- always forget to do that. I know, Sophie. And we're well into our third season. I think we're just like, <laughs> oh, they know who we are already. But sometimes people are just going to tune in to the Edge of Tomorrow episode. They're going to be right. searching for it, you know. It's going to be fresh on their minds and we'll be the first thing that pops up on Apple Podcasts. Exactly. Because so, uh, we're that popular. <laughs> we're so popular. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is a musical theater day. I love it. <laughs> I'm living. <laughs> Are you sliving? Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sliving. I'm living, dying, repeating. <laughs> yes. Speaking of repeating, let's repeat one of our favorite games. Yes. Would you rather? Mm, a classic. So for those of you new to season three, um, we love to play games on this podcast. So we are going to bring you a hilarious round of Never Have I Ever. 
No, no, we're not. It's would you rather? <laughs> what did I say? Never have I ever. <laughs> Dang, that's taking it back all to the We Summon the Darkness episode <laughs> when we played that. <laughs> that was so wow. funny. <laughs> you're like, Wait, and you're the high one, not me. I know. <laughs> I'm like, is this another dimension? Oh my God. Yes, it is. It's, a, it's another time loop. So one of the exciting things that we have to offer on our website is that we have these games ready for you to play. We have um, our own version of Would You Rather already up. We have another uh, game. I think we have drinking games, right? Yeah, we have Scream drinking game. I think Black Christmas is on there. Oh, shit. See, that's so fun. And then I think we also have Fuck, Mary Kill, which is another game that we play a lot on this podcast. So uh, head over to fearthetalkingqueers.com. In the meantime, check those out. Um, and we'll be playing some of our questions for you right here. So what should we do? Should we pick um, just a number, 1 through 40? Yeah, 1 through 40 sounds good. Um, you start. You pick a number. Oh, okay. All right. I pick... Mm, 11 since you always pick that first oh okay 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 so number 11 is would you rather be eaten alive by jennifer from jennifer's body or hannibal Mm -hmm. lecter Ooh. um i feel like at least with jennifer it would at least be over with quickly i feel like miss hannibal lecter she's gonna be over here cutting off my head and eating my brain with a spoon right you know yeah, you'll just be there suffering dinner like shorty from yeah. scary movie too <laughs> yes. this is your brain on drugs <laughs> yeah so i don't know i feel like at least with jennifer like i feel like she uh she's got a healthy appetite mm-hmm. and that she'll um she'll just eat me pretty quickly and it'll be over with and i won't have to suffer right Okay, yeah, I would pick right. Jennifer too. That would be, and you know, just all together, I just l- enjoy that movie better. <laughs> yeah, and I think that like, I don't know, we'd hang, like we'd be cool. Yeah, she'd be eating me, but like we'd have like good conversation. But also, she might not. We might be just like one of the girls. Oh, yeah, maybe we might be too JV for her. She's um, yeah, right, exactly. She's varsity. Okay, I'm gonna pick number. 21 because that's my age sure jam <laughs> would you rather be fucked gently with a chainsaw by leatherface or by ash Groovy. Ooh, uh... <laughs> um i'm gonna go with i know who you're gonna pick ash yeah you think he's hot he's so hot he, I, that it's that chin and that jawline it's to <laughs> die for i think he yeah I would be like chainsaw gently by like eighties Ash. I I maybe don't, like I'll like, take like, any Ash. Know. I think Bruce Campbell's still hot. Yeah, I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Like, so I'm, like, where is he chainsawing me? Like, <sighs> I'm gonna pick um, the bedroom. Uh, <laughs> oh oh oh! You're talking location. <laughs> uh, oh. What are you saying? <laughs> I meant like on my body. <laughs> oh, yo, Gucci. <laughs> well, all right. You heard it here first, folks. That is where you get fucked gently with a chainsaw. I'm, you know what? Your... Okay, I'm going to pick my mouth. Oh, is that where you want to I think that would be a cooler death scene than in my butt. Burn. 
<laughs> like like um, like in Texas Chainsaw 03, which we also have an episode on that. It does. Who gets it in the mouth? Oh no, not in the mouth, but I mean the cooch area. It was um, Jonathan Tucker's character. Oh, does oh does he? Oh yeah, he like kind of goes up the groin, right? Yeah, and and the original scene, his balls are falling out. What? Yeah, there was like meat coming out from his crotch, and they made Ew. them like in the shape of testicles. No, they didn't. Yeah, why you've never that, seen why it. Why did you not bring that up? <laughs> no, why didn't you bring that up in our recording of that episode? I don't remember I recording that remember episode. Maybe I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That was like ten years ago. We recorded that. <laughs> that was all the way back in season one. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. That sounds disgusting. I know and unnecessary. And I'm, I'm glad they cut that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it. They made it because it was rated X. You know that whole ordeal. Of yeah. Thing. They, that's like somebody sawing a girl in the chest and like her boob falling out like her boob just like chopped off and like falling on the ground like that's not necessary <laughs> we, we get it <laughs> right exactly <laughs> oh my god okay pick a number mm, 30 okay cause that's your age okay got it got it got it ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay this one says hey zombie what are you eating brains or booty hole ah! Oh my god. <laughs> hmm. Which one is more nutritious? Wow, this is the second time I'm talking about eating brains this game. Um Uh, do you know what? I'm going to I'm going to pick brains. Cuz maybe I'll uh, by osmosis gain some knowledge. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? 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 Um, what would you pick? <laughs> <laughs> Booty hole, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, you're full of shit. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ready to pick mine. Let me see. I'm going to go with number 27. Mm. Would you rather be probed by the killer clowns from outer space or by a xenomorph? Oh, uh, the killer clowns. Yeah, that sounds hilarious. It would be super <laughs> funny. And honestly, oh my God. some of them look like they'd be thick. <laughs> oh my God. Also, they have plenty of snacks for me to eat afterwards. Right. Candy corn. Um, yeah. Candy, cotton candy. Cotton candy. That's popcorn. what I meant. Candy corn. Oh, yes. Cotton candy popcorn. That's what I meant. Cotton candy sweet and roll. Let me see that. To see roll. <laughs> oh my god yeah so um yeah i would definitely pick a killer clown xenomorphs that's a no for me oh. if you know anything about me you know that i do not like aliens because they are scary i mean I, I like i mean like the movie aliens obviously i, I like an alien i like but those things are terrifying to me damn girl obviously we'll get into it more on this episode about my uh your my fear your fear of aliens irrational fear of aliens <laughs> hey it's not irrational okay it can happen all right um okay i'm gonna pick number four okay number four says if you had to do one of these to live would you rather drink human blood or eat human flesh um i would 
definitely pick human blood because I could just like pinch my nose and like just down the hatch, but I feel like human flesh, you have to chew it. Oh, and uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want it in my teeth. I know that's me too. I would rather drink blood. Yeah, just go, 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 go. I could probably put like a Kool Aid packet in it or something. Oh my god, yeah. Get rid of that copper taste. (laughs) I'm gonna put some fucking Tabasco in it. Put a a celery stalk in it. um, (laughs) And make myself a Bloody Mary. Exactly. Exactly. A literal Bloody Mary. A literal. Bloody Mary. Yeah, that's more glamour. I think you can make more glamour out of that. There's no glamour in eating human flesh. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, do I get to grill it first? Like, It's like, I would rather be a raw. zombie than a... Oh, no, 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 sorry. I'd rather be a vampire than a zombie. Yeah. I'll, yeah, they're just sexier, for sure. Right, totally. Okay, I'm gonna pick number 35. Mm. Oh, my... Would you rather become the May Queen at the Midsommar Festival or the new payment in Hereditary? <laughs> um, the May Queen, for sure. I don't want to be possessed by no oh. devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because then it's not you anymore. You're just the vessel. You're just the body. You know? Right. Body, yaddy, 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 He's out there in the city, you know, and the May Queen is stuck at that village with all those white people. And ever since I moved to Napa, yeah. white people make me nervous. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not feeling it. That's fair. That's fair. I will, you know, yeah, at least you can just go traipse in the, you know, the streets. Yeah, the streets um, of the city possessed the by streets, the devil. Yeah. Actually, that might be kind of fun. Right. I don't know. We want to hear from you listeners. Who would you pick? <laughs> yeah. Would you rather be the May Queen in Midsommar or the new payment in Hereditary? Hmm. Answer now. <laughs> Caller. Caller on the oh. line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's it. Oh, we're done. Yay. Dun, 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 Yay, dun. we did it. Oh, my God. Now you know a little bit more about which we would rather do. Yes. Whoever would have thought these questions. These questions were outlandish. I'd never. Uh, we put them together and I don't, even, about? I don't even. about? I don't even think. These I, are very <laughs> intelligent, <laughs> you know, complex questions. I don't think I realized how um, risque they were. Oh, my God. Yeah, these are R-rated, but so are we. I know. I want to play it again tomorrow. <laughs> oh my god, like at the edge of tomorrow? Precisely. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. So, um, this one is going to be a little bit of a uh, sort of random one for us. So, you know, we always like to switch it up, do, you know, movies kind of outside of the, the expected horror realm, right? Right. And I think that was something that we had discussed when we were, you know, making our list and of what we were doing this season. I think we did want to uh, pay a little more tribute to the sci-fi genre, you know, and we do have some really good sci-fi genres coming up this season. 
or sci-fi movies coming up this season and this is going to be the first of it and so we decided to start with edge of tomorrow starring tom cruise and emily blunt a movie that um I'd say this is in a way scary to me because I'm scared of aliens. Yeah, this is crazy. So Jake was really the one to like bring this up, like Edge of Tomorrow. And I'm like, hmm. I'm like, I've never seen that before. And not only that, <laughs> I didn't realize how critically acclaimed it was. Yeah, I mean, this movie was is very good. Yeah. And I remember I remember not really knowing much about it before I saw it in a theater with some friends. They were like, yeah, let's go see this movie. I was like, what? I was like, oh, God, here's like another Tom Cruise action movie, whatever. Exactly. But this one really fucking stands out as being super fun and super original and very just very well done overall. And um, I'm, I've been a fan of it ever since I saw it, those, like back in 2014. And so I'm wow. excited to bring it to you this week. I know. Wow. I feel like it's a little underrated, too. Like, I didn't even know what you were talking about when you were just like, Edge of Tomorrow. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> I was I know, thinking like the day after I'm... tomorrow I was like is that really oh my god you know? our brand I know <laughs> oh my god I mean that's also kind of scary like I would say a natural disaster is terrifying but yeah. also that movie is terrifying because it sucks <laughs> yeah yikes. this is actually a good movie I know so um before we get into it why don't we uh, start you off with that little synopsis what do you say let's get into it all right, so this is Edge of Tomorrow. The ship is going to explode! What are you doing? Find me when you wake up. What? Come find me when you wake up. Edge of Tomorrow, released in 2014. Written by Christopher McQuarrie, Jez Butterworth, and John Henry Butterworth. <laughs> no relation to Mrs. <laughs> Hi, gay. <laughs> This week, this month at the butter shop, <laughs> I'm obsessed with that meme. I think it's, it's so, so good, so good. Funny. Hi, gay. Won't be candles be nice for gay stuff? <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go look for that Pride Month meme that that girl made. We've been making better you know. since 1945, and we've been accepting all people since the past four months. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, all right. Directed by Doug Lehman. Based on the Japanese novel All You Need Is Kill by Hiroshi Sakurazaka. Our movie begins with a series of fragmented news broadcasts describing how an asteroid carrying an alien race called the Mimics has crashed into Europe and devastated the continent in a deadly war. Losing battle after battle over five years, the NATO-led United Defense Forces finally win a victory at Verdun, France utilizing new mechanized jacket combat suits. UK Special Forces soldier Sergeant Rita Vertosky, played by Emily Blunt, is hailed as the Angel of Verdun after killing hundreds of mimics single-handedly. She becomes an instant icon and a recruiting boon for the human military as the United Human Armies prepare to use the momentum at Verdun to commit all assaults on Europe. One of the talking heads on the newsreels telling Vertosky's story and boosting the war effort is Major William Cage, played by Tom Cruise of the U.S. Army. Cage awakens from a doze on a helicopter trip to London the morning before the invasion of France is set to take place. He meets with the commander of the Western Allies, General Brigham, played by Brendan Gleeson. Assuming the general wants Cage to help him boost his public image or prepare for a post-war political career, 
Instead, the general orders Cage to accompany the first wave of Allied troops to land in France and provide ground coverage for the media. Cage, who is a college ROTC cadet and majoring in advertising and has no experience in combat, tries all of the tricks he can think of to avoid the order to embed with combat units and avoid deployment, ending with an effort to blackmail the general using his media skills. The general agrees that Cage won't film the invasion, but orders Cage arrested. Cage attempts to escape, but the guards taser him, rendering him unconscious. Cage wakes up on a pile of duffel bags in the afternoon at Heathrow Airport, which has become a huge military base and the jump-off point for the invasion of the continent. A sergeant kicks him and calls him maggot before Sergeant Farrell, played by Bill Paxton, takes over. Sergeant Farrell has orders received from General Brigham that describe Private Cage as a deserter who has impersonated a major. Cage is assigned to a band of oddball soldiers, the J-Squad, who are caught gambling while playing poker by Farrell when Cage is introduced to them. Farrell forces J-Squad to eat the cards they are gambling with, and then instructs them to get Cage ready to deploy with them tomorrow. Cage is immediately taken by the squad for physical training. The next day, Cage is a nervous wreck. He is given a battle suit, but the members of J-Squad won't teach him how to use it, including how to disable his weapon's safety mode, because they believe he will just die quickly. As they are about to drop from aircraft onto the French coast, the back of their aircraft is struck by an enemy weapon and the squad drops prematurely. Although the operation to retake Europe was meant to be a surprise attack, the mimics are completely prepared and slaughter the humans. Sergeant Vertasky also lands on the beach, but is killed within minutes. The surviving members of J-Squad are all killed rapidly. Still shell-shocked and about to die, Cage grabs a Claymore mine as a giant blue Mimic and Alpha jumps on him. The ensuing blast kills the Alpha Mimic and just before Cage dies, the Alpha's blue blood covers Cage's wounds. Woo! What an opening. Wow. What an opening. I know. Crazy. So, starting from the top, make it drop with some... um, Edge of tomorrow. Some so, wop, uh, wop, wop. <laughs> so uh, we have this opening montage that happens of like all these uh, these like news reports. Yes. Of like sort of just filling us in on what's uh, catching us up more on what's been happening, I guess, in the past five years. There's a meteor that hit that contained aliens, violent aliens who are here to um, destroy us. And at this point, we don't. I don't think they even know why they're here. I think later in the movie, they kind of discuss what they think, but that means that five years into this war, they're not even sure what the fucking mimics want. <laughs> so I know. It's kind of crazy, but this whole opening moment of all these all these news stations, this is the kind of stuff that scares me. Oh, kind of like a doomsday setup. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, totally. Like I, like, I dread the idea of, like, news reports like this. Like, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, the the initial covid panic but like imagine even like on an even larger scale like an alien invasion that we are like not equipped to deal with right and especially because we're like so divided as a world exactly could you imagine like us having to come together like different countries to come together to like create a world army in order to fight aliens absolutely not they would it would in the real world it would be every country for themselves right like yeah like could we put aside our differences for the sake of humanity absolutely I mean, we've not. already proven that that's not the case with 
you know, COVID and, you know, people yeah. not believing it, thinking it's a hoax, like people are dying, all this shit. And like, and, you know, we can't even do our due diligence to come together and fight a, you know, a disease. I know. You Everyone's know, fighting each other. Alien invasion. Yeah, yeah exactly. Crazy. That's why it, there's some parts of this where they're like, you, you know, they talk about saving the world. And I'm like, what's so grand about it or what's so great about it that needs saving exactly that's true it's like is the world even is even worth saving to be honest i know and if you were saving it from a destruction like this from an alien invasion what would be left yeah that is true like i i I definitely brought like had that written down i'm like how would we even recover from something like this like five years late like if this invasion has been going on for five years and like the mass amounts of destruction like they i think they say that like most of europe has been destroyed like how do you how would we even come back from that what would life even be like after this war if we just so happened to win yeah like what what would life even be like how would we go back to normal knowing what we knew that there is life on other planets that are dangerous and evil or not evil but at least dangerous to us yeah there's there's nowhere to run they came from outer space yeah that is kind of scary it's like that like that idea is crazy like if they were able to get to our planet and and uh you know destroy as much as they've destroyed like what what chance do we have and how do we continue life as humans just like going about our everyday stuff and all of, all of a sudden our problems become, uh, you know, not that important. We kind of brought that up right. in the 10 Cloverfield Lane episode too. It's like, that's, that's kind of like an alien invasion thing. It's like, or like something you get from the genre to one of its main themes are like, all of a sudden all your petty problems go out the door when you realize that, uh, the fate of the entire world that you live in is at stake. And also I think when, just when you realize that, the universe is much bigger than just our world. Yeah. I mean, there's no, that's the thing. It's like, there is no possible way, like mathematically, that we are the only creatures, the only living organisms in the universe. Right. Because there are like so many galaxies and all this shit. Right. And it's a scary thought to a lot of people, which is why people stay ignorant. Right. Exactly. But the probability that there are things out there is very high. Right. You know, and and for me, it's like if they can get to the planet that we live on, they're obviously way more technologically advanced than we are. So that means we have no chance. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no chance of survival. There's no way we can't even fucking we can't even properly deal with each other. Imagine dealing with people who are just more advanced than we are. Like, have you guys seen those UFO sightings? <laughs> Don't I'm so scared of that. <laughs> <laughs> You're that scared? No, I'm not like that. I I, I exaggerate. You need to go on Mori. <laughs> oh my god, I know. No, but just like the idea that I don't know. Like, what are they? I it's know. just freaky. It's freaky, freaky, freaky. But anyway, I also wonder what that is. Like, what are they about Tom Cruise? Ah! Oh my god! <laughs> I can never tell if he's off his rocker or if he's just like a good guy. I don't know. I mean, I think he's probably a good guy, but also like <laughs> there's the Scientology thing, and that yeah. is really that is a whole you know that's its own thing. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, but I will say and, that for uh, a madman, he's very charismatic. 
Oh, definitely. Even with his offset tooth. <laughs> Have you guys ever looked at his teeth? Like when you do the middle? Yeah. And his it's tooth. It's almost like all his. It's he like has, his teeth are just like one tooth over. Like yeah, like we have saying? two front teeth. He has one front tooth. <laughs> he was like hot back in the day. He's still like not bad. No, yeah, he's still handsome. I'll say he's still he's handsome. So handsome, but he's yeah, I very I know charismatic. About the the teeth, yeah. But um, he's also like there are times in this movie, and I'll probably bring them up. But I'm like, you know what? When Tom Cruise wants to be, he can be a very good actor. Yes, yeah, I, I thought that, that too. I, I think that this um, this confrontation he has with General Bigham um, mm-hmm. is, I think it's very well acted. I was like invested in his character. Totally. So then, so move, so moving on a little bit. So we learn a little bit about um, Sergeant uh, Rita Vertasky, played by Emily Blunt. She is the uh, Victoria's Secret angel of Verdun. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> She just struts down the runway in a, uh, a metal uh, brawn panty and just kills aliens. <laughs> <laughs> a metal brawn panty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. She's the uh, angel of Verdun. Yes. Um, yeah, because on her first day out, she done slaughtered hundreds of these things that people struggle to kill one. And she just picked them off left and right. Hmm, little fishy. How is that possible? <laughs> we uh, obviously find out later. But um, so that's our little introduction to her. She's like, they call her like the full metal bitch. Yes, like, I oh, love no, that what would, rather, what would you? What would you rather be called? The angel of her done or the full metal bitch? Full metal bitch. Oh, yeah, that's like hardcore. Yeah. Rock and live. Full metal bitch. <laughs> <laughs> full, full metal hay bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome hairspray. Full metal bitch. Oh my god, it totally does. It's like, got to be full metal hair, bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, full metal hair, bitch. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah. I'll pitch it to got to be. We'll be yeah. sponsored in no time. Sponsor right. me, baby. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Just in the middle mm-hmm. of an episode, you just hear, you know what I have to be? I've got to be. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be. Full metal hair, bitch. <laughs> so um then we get to this uh, our introduction of of cage Mm -hmm. and um like he he's like a figurehead right so he's just there to be a talking head and he's not even though he's like in the army he's like he's not like a combat soldier right his job is to just like go around and talk to these these new stations and give updates on the war. He's like the face of the army. Right. You know? Exactly. Right. And he's like, that, sort that, of like the president is to our country. Like just the face sure. of the brand. Right. Yeah. Sure. Of course. Yes. But I'm thinking about my like, damn, I was like in this, in this scenario, when there are aliens attacking, like that is the gig to have. Like, it's like such a smug position to be in. Right. I don't want to fight those things. No, mm, no, not me. That'd be us. Like, mm, no, I'll, uh, I'll just get on the air and yeah. talk about it. Yeah, no, I don't want to <laughs> do it. I'm not defending nobody except me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so then, yeah, they're like, "Well, we want you to report on the war from the trenches." And but, oh. like, honestly, he's not even like he's not even like a reporter. He's like a spokesperson. That's not even his in his job description. I don't think. 
I know. But you know what? I, I was thinking about this and I was like, this is fucking scary. Because like how we were yes. saying like, we'd be like, oh no, I'm not going up there and fighting. But then like for then you just to be forced into it, I would lose my yeah, mind. Yeah, like, oh my God, that is so fucked up. Could you imagine? Like, like especially because it's like, I didn't wake up and expect this today. Oh, I right. thought my day was going to go completely differently. And now I've woken up and I'm being carted off to war. Like, I thought Which, I was going mean, to be on the news. Yeah, like, what? I thought I was going to be famous and, like, <laughs> would have HD lighting. Like, I didn't think that it was going to be like this. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, this would be frightening. And I think his reaction to it is um, very genuine. But also, I'm um, like, it's nice to kind of see, you know, Tom Cruise, all the right moves. Like, he is an action yeah. star. He's basically right. a human G.I. Joe for the movies. And so, like, yeah. when you think about it and you watch this scene and he's playing it so convincingly and then he's, like, crap, bumping into chairs and he's sort of wimpy and he's like, ROTC. It's like, yeah. I think this is <laughs> a, a kind of a fun little, you know, difference in his character based on, I oh. mean, versus all the other ones. Totally. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, he's, like, not, he doesn't start as like the big action star in this. Like he is playing a character that's going to have growth. Wow, that's sort of exciting, I think. Yeah. That's like an it's an exciting place to start for like a Tom Cruise film. Like he's usually like the badass plan. Yeah. Yeah, He's the badass from the get go. But but no, no, like in this movie it's Emily Blunt. Right, exactly, which we love to see it. And um yeah, and he plays this sort of wimpy character who is not prepared for the horrors of war and is, you know, forced to, you know, put on his big girl metal panties and, <laughs> um, you know, kick some ass, you know, and it takes time. Like he, he has to, it takes time for him to get there. And that's kind of fun to see Tom Cruise, you know, play a character who has that arc because that's not usually, yeah. that's not usually what we see from him. So good yeah. for you, Tom, for taking this on. Like, I, I think that's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I just love this uh, interaction he has with the general and how he like backs up and he's sort of scared, yeah. like he's gonna hit him or something. Right. I thought that was those were cool choices. Yeah, and he like kind of uses like 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 a caddy move where he's like, "Well, I'm gonna blackmail you with my my media powers." Like, you know, yeah. he, that's what that's how he ha- that's the resources he has to hit back with. It's not physical, you know. He can he can use his. He's like, and if we lose, who's going to look stupid? Me yeah, or you? Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. My lawyer liked that. <laughs> <laughs> so then um, he gets he gets tasered. He gets taken to Heathrow where it's, you know, been, like we said, converted to this big military base. And uh, yeah, honestly, like this whole situation, this whole sequence is just like a terrifying nightmare. Like, oh, yeah. Like this is the shittiest of shitty days, and like every like all the things that he thought about himself and his rank, or like where that would get him, and the people that he knows, all of a sudden are just gone. Like people don't, they're not caring. Like these drill sergeants and like Bill Paxton's character, like they can give a Aww. shit about his rank. They only they I know R.I.P. R.I.P. And, Bill um, Paxton. Yeah, and it's like I don't I I can't tell him like God these people like really feel like they hate him and i'm like are they just like resentful of his position that he's been able to 
to stand on the sidelines. It or, seems like that oh. to me. Or they're like, they're like, fuck this little pansy ass. Like, no. Right. Is it more like the fate of humanity is like more important than this one person who thinks they're above it? Like, we all yeah. have to get our hands dirty sort of situation. I don't know. But all I know is that if I were him and not having any combat experience, like at least like these other people, they... They've been training for know, this. There's like a... They're training for this, and I always think that's kind of a weird concept, that there are people who are, like, so fucking juiced to go to war. Oh, yeah, like, no, it's I know, I like, know. That's always, like, crazy to me. Like, I don't know if people, like, see, think it's, like, their purpose in life, or they just, like, I don't know, regress you know, like, to, like, the most basic of human instincts, like, to, like, yeah. kill or be killed. Right. Like, that is crazy to That me is that, crazy. That, I like people like that exist. They totally do, because it's the reason why, uh, you know... There hasn't been a draft in so long. Like, there's people willing to go out there and fight for their country, which I think is honorable and heroic. But at the same time, yeah. I'm like, what? The ment- I, I, I would be curious to understand the mentality behind it. Sure. Versus people Absolutely. like us, who it's not just like because we're gay or we're queens or we're fabulous and all these great things. It's because it's just like <laughs> there's a fear of like even just filling out your your stuff for your draft card. Like, that's horrifying right. to think that one day they could be playing bingo with birthday numbers and if you get picked you go to war it's like oh my god yeah it's crazy and that was a reality of our of our i mean not of our generation but of previous generations that have had had to do that and you know it's tragic and and you can't it's like a fate you can't escape and that's exactly sort of where we are where i mean we're cages at this point like he's now fated for death like there's no way around it like he's not going to survive this and he knows that and that's right. why, like so like the stress of this would be unbearable like just knowing like well i there's nothing i can do so i don't know what i'm doing it's like that it's like that performer's nightmare like when you show up on opening night and you don't know your lines oh, yes. or even what show you're doing that's pretty much <laughs> what's happening to him it's like you are showing up on show day we're all going to the front to the front of the war on the beach and you don't know any of your combat skills. You don't even know what the hell you're wearing. You don't even know how to take the safety it. off of your weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Like, good <laughs> luck. Like, that is terrifying. And these suits. Mama, these things look like they weigh 400 pounds. Yeah. Apparently, like, Emily Blunt, when she had to put one on, cried the first time. <laughs> because she was, she was, like, not prepared for this, like, the actual suits that they were wearing on set were like 85 to 95 pounds that's nuts and i know the big the bigger the bigger boy from the j squad his looked like it weighed 125 pounds right exactly like and she was like just the idea of knowing that she had to wear that thing for months like she started crying (laughs) like and tom cruise had to be like i guess he like you know lovingly was like stop being such a wuss (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe that inspired her to like. She's like, okay, fine, I can do it. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And so like a whole bunch of crazy shit happens. He ends up on this plane that starts exploding. Like, oh. I'm like my God, can this day get any fucking? Worse? I have to say that this is very exciting, and I think it's amazingly done. Like just them wearing yeah. those suits clipped into it into the plane, and then when the bottom opens up, I'm like, what an awesome oh. like ride yeah. this would be. Or- 
Uh, oh, totally. Can you imagine? Oh my god. Yeah. That's how you drop from the coaster. Like oh my god. Oh my. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. I'm calling um, Mr. Six Flags right now. And this is also kind of reminiscent to me of like. I don't know, like Final Destination, like oh yeah, when the plane starts going plane down, crashing. Oh yeah, I know exactly. And then he actually gets onto the beach, and I mean, this is obviously very reminiscent to what we know of was like, I don't know, like what we refer to as like D Day or like these yeah. other, these wars that have taken place in real life. Like I'm sure they drew a lot of inspiration, and this movie like puts you right in the middle of it, and there, it's just overwhelming. I mean, there's just like shots firing everywhere and at this point uh, what i think is interesting is that we have not seen the aliens yet we haven't seen the mimics we don't even know what the fuck they're shooting at we see a lot of like missiles flying towards like an open abyss and there's like smoke and but we're like what are they even shooting at and it's sort of causing like into like a lot of anticipation in the audience as well which i think is really fun yeah and then once we do see the mimics they're like (gasps) they're oh my god God, they're, they're like these Tasmanian giant, devils. They're like giant dog octopus <laughs> creatures. Yeah. So f- yeah, like the fucking Tasmanian devil. Yeah, they're and they kind of look like they're made around. out of metal. Yeah, they're scary. They, these are this is a very scary car- uh, alien design. It is interesting. I think it's a cool concept, but of course, you know, it's every CGI. It's a little cartoonish, but yeah, of it course cool. it is. Yeah, it does look cool, but like, th- so this is in a way like a little bit of like a creature feature, I would say. Like those things are really totally. terrifying. And, yeah. And um, okay, you know, I and- I hadn't even watched the trailer to this movie before watching it, so I didn't know this mm-hmm. repeat thing was gonna happen. I know that it said live, die, repeat. So I'm like, okay, that's oh, gonna right. be in there. But when the cast started dying right away, I was like, oh my like, god, oh. this is. Yeah. I was gagged, mm-hmm. especially when Miss Emily Blunt died. I was like, isn't she on the poster? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, she just a short cameo from Miss Emily Blunt. She had she didn't have much to do. Her her schedule was pretty clear, so she's like, sure, I'll play this character. <laughs> no, yeah, so so um, yeah, basically they uh, they start everybody starts dying, and then he pretty much ends up in a position where he's like fully about to die, and then the the alpha mimic, this like blue version, like most of like the other like. I don't know, everyday mimics. They have like kind of like an orangey yellow thing about them. But then the alpha, he he comes up and he's like, I'm blue. And then... Uh, <laughs> I'm big, Tom I'm blue, and I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deal with that, bitch. And then um, he explodes and just dumps his load all over <laughs> Tom's face. <laughs> but it's not like a nice yummy load. It's a, it's like a no. It's like a blue acid like... rain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and that's that sequence like showing his face like sizzling, <gasps> melting. I, I was like, oh my god. Oh my god, it looked yeah. real. That that the special effects in this are great. Yeah, that was crazy. Like. And in such an interesting idea, like we've seen a lot of these time loop movies before and shows before, but uh, that was an interesting way to uh, to introduce it is to have like the blood, like be the catalyst for the events that are taking place. So I kind of yes. like, I liked it. I thought it was a, I think it's really unique and fun. This and is unique, really gross. yeah, right, yeah, totally. totally gross. All right, so everybody's dead. So why don't we uh the end <laughs> <laughs> the end wow <laughs> 
Cage immediately awakes in a panic in the same spot he was the day before, on top of the duffel bags. The same sergeant calls him a maggot, and Farrell again takes him to J-Squad. Despite his desperate attempt to explain that the mimics will ambush the entire invasion, nobody believes him. Stuck in a time loop, he is repeatedly deployed and dies in a variety of ways, only to wake up again and again on the duffel bags. With each time loop, he becomes slightly more adept at killing mimics and saving members of J-Squad and Vertaski, but the mimics are too numerous and eventually kill everyone. In one loop, he survives long enough to tell Vertaski that he is stuck in a time loop. Recognizing his situation, Vertaski tells Cage to find me when you wake up, before they are both killed again. Cage awakens on the duffel bags again, but cooperates with Sergeant Farrell and J-Squad to buy himself time to find Vertaski. After several fatal attempts in the base at slipping away, Cage finally manages to get away during PT and finds Vertaski in a training base surrounded by training drones. The Special Forces soldiers are all hostile towards him and Vertaski greets him rudely, but when he explains that Vertaski asked for him, she whisks him away to a weapon-building bay where her acquaintance, Dr. Carter, played by Noah Taylor, works. There they go to a back room and Vertaski and Carter explain the time loop. Carter was formerly a researcher in General Brigham's HQ and devised a theory that all mimics are just neural manifestations of one overmind Omega alien creature. He tells Carter that the aliens possess the ability to turn back time, so each time an alpha mimic is killed, they cycle time backwards, enabling them to precisely anticipate the invasion force's next actions. Vertaski explains that she got into the loop when the blood of a large blue alpha mimic was spilled on her, just as Cage experienced. She was stuck in a time loop at Verdun, allowing her to kill hundreds of mimics single-handedly in what became her final loop. She explains that she was wounded and received a human blood transfusion, causing the alien blood to lose its effectiveness and breaking the time loop. Vertaski tells Cage that he must repeat the loop until he has shown some piece of information that will help them succeed. She also tells him to always make sure he dies on the battlefield or in training or she'll have to kill him to start over. Carter created a device that could locate the Omega if it is stabbed into an alpha mimic, but no one believed his theory and he was demoted and relegated to a mechanical repair unit. Cage tries to understand what he is saying, but Vertaski says that to find the Omega, they must survive the invasion tomorrow. All right, so like at this point now, like this is still only the second the second of the, all the time loops he goes through like i know i would still be afraid of dying i'd be uh, like i've been given some extra chance but i only think i had one extra chance yeah so i would still be i wouldn't test it this, like no yeah i'd be like oh i'm still gonna die like um because what if it was just a dream like i wouldn't trust that i was coming back again right and miss emily did him hella dirty the second time like, Miss Rita, oh, she know. was like, I'm going to take your battery pack and you're going to be stuck oh. here, unable to Itch, get up. I know. <laughs> I know. But it's like, I mean, in that moment, it's like, who has time to care? You know, it's kill or be killed. Or, and, and if he's all wounded and useless, like, tough shit, right. I guess. She's right. like, I'm going to take your shit so I can survive. So I'm a full metal bitch. I don't have time for this. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I'm the angel from Rent of Verdun, okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's stupid. Oh my god, I love that moment when they're like, when he's like back on the plane for the second time and he's like kind of remembering quotes that everybody said, which I'm like, dang, he remembered a lot. For he did. So I would have been brand new to the whole thing again. 
At least yeah. four times I in. Know. I'd have been like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, he had like full quotes. Like when he like, uh, what did he say? Like that, that girl soldier, she says something to him and he says that the same exact time as her and she goes, Jinx, bitch. She's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that bar killed me. I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> but like, this is crazy. Like this time loop scenario, like this is like straight up purgatory. Like repeating violent war death over and over. Oh like, my God. That- agony that is insane like i already didn't want to be there and now i just have to live through it multiple times live it over and over and over again like goddamn. so we have a little bit more of the mimics we see that they like can like come from underground they sort of like tentacles that come out of the ground like fucking snakes yeah they're uh, like sand monsters yeah they're like yeah it's crazy they're really terrifying but so he dies again and then he comes back and it's like you know at this point he's like okay I got this like I can convince them by knowing all the things like like that they're they're gonna do they're gonna say and it doesn't really play out like that like they just think he's fucking batshit crazy and and this is the scene that I was gonna point out that I thought that I think he was a good performance like when he's like trying to convince them of all the things and you know, I don't know. Like, I think he's just really, he's really strong in this. You know, it's it's not surface level. Like, he's like you could yeah. feel his desperation, but he's like the hope that he feels because he's like, look, I, I like I'm really gonna convince these people, and uh, you know, obviously they don't because they are very yeah. one track minded. But um, I don't know. This is one of the scenes that I would say when he's talking to J Squad. Like, I, that's one. I'm like, you know what, Tom. You're talented. You des- you deserve nice all, all of your credit. Like he is a very good actor. He is. He is. You know, I, I, they sort of vilify him for not really wanting to go to war, but he sort of spends ev- all these time loops like trying to save people, like the people that he met. Like he's actively trying to save them. He's Yeah, he tries to survive the, the or he tries to help out the J squad and he also even tries to help out Ms. Rita after she did right, him dirty exactly. hella times. Like he's still like actively trying to help these people who haven't done nothing but like teased him and like say that he's like a dead man in his suit. Like, you know, they're like none of them were very empathetic towards him for the situation and he still went out of his way to um to save them if he could and so he had the makings of a hero all along. He did. He really did. He yes, had the he's heart. The heart of, of a one. hero. So now he's really getting really good right, at yeah, this battle. Because he's like in it so often, and obviously the same things are happening. He, he can anticipate all the aliens and things. And Miss um, Rita is very impressed, but she also yeah. knows where that skill comes from. Bitch, I'm I'm in a time loop, and then uh, she's like, oh, "Wait, what?" And you're like, oh my god, wait, she knows something. What does she know? What does she know? And then, um... <laughs> come come find, find me! And then she gets all blown up or whatever. It's kind of exciting. I think it's what, <laughs> one of the things that are really fun about like these like time loop sequences is that you never really know which time loop he's in or like how many times he's done it. And it kind of makes it exciting for the audience. I think there's like so much anticipation, like is he gonna make it further yeah. than we've seen before has he already done this like is he gonna be good is he not like i don't know i think that's kind of an exciting thing 
And I, I do think that's one of the strong moments of this um, movie because if comparing it to other movies that have the same yeah. groundhog concept, like um, yeah. uh, Happy or Death Russian Day, doll. if you will. Yeah. Like where it's like the first like three to four times, it's the same like five scenes and right. then something different happens. But in this one, every time he wakes up, we're in a different spot with him. Right. And he's exactly. doing different things and we're getting new settings and new right, conversations. Exactly. Or like, yeah. And just like this idea that he's like, we don't know if he's been there, but he could have been there 20 times before. And all of a sudden he's like, he's doing more than we've seen. And we're like, and we're like, we're sort of playing catch up with him. We're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. So he must've done this before. He must've, or, you know, so it, it sort of involves us a lot as an audience. Um, which is really exciting because usually, yeah, like you said before, like usually we're on the journey with them every single step of the way, every time they go back. But um, here there's like an infinite amount of times he's gone back pretty much. And like, yeah. it's almost as if it doesn't really matter which one we're in, but cause we're, it's always about getting to the next moment that he hasn't experienced yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, which is, I think this is a really cool concept, just given that we don't yeah. know much about these aliens, but one thing we know now, and that's being explained to us, is that the blood from the alphas is, like, linked to the omega, and so right. this whole thing, because I will say that the, the explanation of this storyline was a little dinosphere oh my to God. me, like, <laughs> you know, the, at the, but, you know, this is very video game-ish, totally. very, um you know roller coaster ish like you know like a an amusement park ride like so there's this rhythm there's this, there's still this rhythm to it and like when you have things like emily blunt and um the mechanic yeah. guy <laughs> like explaining to him and they have all these tools it's almost like the beginning of the ride at dinosaur six flags when you're about to go into a little <laughs> 3d room but before you do that you have to be introduced right, to the story course. and your goal and you know what's happening one of the things that, the, that inspired this movie i guess from the original uh, writer of the novel because this was like ba- this is based on like a japanese manga um and i guess one of the inspirations for the original novel was just the idea of like video games like when you die in a video game and you have like you start over but you start but you start, you start like over. in uh you know you're the last place you saved you know kind of thing and then yes. you're con- and and now that you've already died exactly, you know what not to exactly. do exactly and so that's kind of like um. a like an inspiration for this was this idea of like dying in a video game and going back to your save point and then using the skills that you've learned yes. from you know dying or from making it so far and dying and then um you know, to advance further. So I think that's kind of fun. Oh, you know what? The time loop thing. Okay, I was watching this in an inebriated <laughs> state of marijuana. And, um, I, I, you know, you ponder the yeah, things, duh. you know, all the things. So watching this high, I was like, if he starts over, but, like, okay, if he dies in one scenario, does it still continue, like, in a different dimension? I mean, I don't know. Is it just timelines or does time literally go backwards? And here's the thing. And that is what is so scary to me about Alien Invasions Part 2 is that there would be things that they can do that are like beyond our human comprehension. Like an alien, like, you know, we have like the things that we know that humans are capable of, obviously. Yes. But like if some, if aliens can land on Earth and like control time... We're so fucked. We're so fucked. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, having, uh, you know, those abduction stories where like people are driving down a highway, see a bright light, and then they're like, whoa, what was that? And they keep driving, but then it's like two hours later. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like the the con like the fact that they are capable of doing things. Even they, they even show it like on the beach, like when they're fighting the mimics. Like just how reality kind of around these things distorts. You know, it almost looks like they're moving faster than we can comprehend on with our human eyes. Yeah, like insects. Like Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. And so it's like that kind of stuff is crazy, but it's but back to what you're originally saying. Who like we don't even know. Like, are these? Is this like the quantum realm in the Marvel movies, where it's like yeah. there's so many timelines that like if you know is Rita dead in all those other ones, or and she's alive, and like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're like, she, are there different? Is she still in a time loop in some other dimension? What's yeah. happening? Yeah, who knows. Who knows? That is, uh, but that's intriguing to me. But yeah, absolutely. Like a whole another dimension, like in like different timelines. Who knows if that's what they're doing, or if the aliens literally just have the ability to turn back our time, and there's just one timeline. I don't know. Oh yeah, I don't know. Could be. It's crazy. Could be. Oh, so then he, uh, he, you know, he escapes. He finally meets Emily Blunt, and you know, she is l- looking strong. She's over there doing that that yoga pose when he first gets in there which apparently she can actually do which i'm like you better emily you better work girl and she was she was pregnant during the filming right like uh i think during some reshoots, reshoots. she okay, had okay. to yeah she she was pregnant so she couldn't do as many stunts as she had done in the initial filming and tom was like what the hell because she hadn't told anybody yeah. He's like, wait, what what happened? And so she's like, she felt obligated to tell Tom. It's also really impressive that they do their own stunts. Yeah. Oh my Tom did all of his own stunts in this movie. Yeah, and Emily and she did most of her own and stunts. And she did most of except for the reshoes. Wow. Yeah. That's a dedicated actor. Yeah. Well look I what she can that. do with her body. She can literally put all of her weight into her wrists. Apparently, <laughs> like for long shoots, they had to use a wire for her feet, but like the fact that she could do it at all. Seriously, I'm, I'm impressed. super impressed. If I tried to do this, I wouldn't have hands. <laughs> they would fall off. <laughs> my yeah, my wrists would be concave, like it would be broken. <laughs> and who knew that this was where our little Emily from the Divorce Prada would uh, would be like a badass action you know? star? Yeah, she's great. Hell yeah! Oh my gosh, I love her. She can do it all. She's also Mary Poppins, goddammit. She's also fucking Mary Poppins. What the fuck? She yeah, literally she, does everything. Range. She is range, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> so then we uh, we find out that um, that all the mimics are pretty much just like, they're all just cl- what they call claws of like this main brain or something <laughs> that we call the Omega. It's like what, it's like what actually... Cr- like the nucleus. Like the thing that crash into... Yeah, totally. It's like, it's what actually crashed into the earth. Yeah. When the meteor hit and that all the mimics are just, are like just hands. Like extensions of, you know, of this of, of the brain. Omega. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so they're like, you have to kill the Omega in order to end the war, but you have to find the Omega, which I guess, you know, is easier said than done. They don't, nobody knows where exactly it is. And then there's this idea of the alpha and the alpha is what is this is, you know, when you break it down, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. So the alpha 
controls time or is like what controls the time so when they kill an alpha if like the american or like the humans are to kill an alpha time goes back like and that's how the omega is able to know what's next how to anticipate yeah the, that's how it knows how to anticipate so there's like some some crazy uh, mimic logic going on here yeah um, it's a smart but a smart move they're main- not just like aliens on the attack and something you know just creates a time loop it's like it's not they're just their technology it's like the blood that runs through their veins is what makes this happen yeah exactly and so now but now we know our main mission is to uh find the omega and it's like well how are we gonna find it and they're like well eventually um you're gonna have like visions yes like of of where it is He's like, okay, but they're like, but in the meantime, let's get you combat ready. Yeah. Oh, but also this pep talk. They're like, well, we'll have, well, when, well, you'll have to die like several times before you start having the visions. Oh shit! <laughs> like, I wonder if every day he wakes up in the, like feeling how he felt. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like does he wake? up I wondered that too. I'm like, the same is way he every like? Day? Does he have like bruises or is he sore from the yeah, day before? Yeah. Is he exhausted? Is he tired? exhausted or is he like refreshed as he would be when he woke up that day i'm just gonna assume that his physicality is like it resets like a video game like you get all your lives back but right 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 yeah like you full energy but but that yeah his mind be. is what's being run down like he's being coming sure what we'll, we'll see like he'll he becomes like jaded in a way at some point right exactly yeah, I'm like, because this would be... So, I, how is he not exhausted from doing this over and over? and Which I'm sure he is. But it would be, probably be so exhausting <laughs> just, like, doing the escape from the from the J-Squad yeah. just to get to her. Oh, no. By the time I got like, to, like, my like, fourth, fifth, sixth loop, I would be in that thing handcuffed, and they'd be like, get up, maggot! And I'd just be asleep. Yeah, but yeah, just like mm, okay. Well, there's no point in living anymore. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. Can somebody give me a fucking I blood know. transfusion so I can just end this shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, I guess he he's determined to uh, save the fate of the world. So he's like, fine. Every day I'm going to escape the J Squad, g- find her, explain everything to her. Like into the point where she comprehends what I'm talking about. Right. Oof, I'm I'm exhausted for him. <laughs> Seriously, and I'm exhausted for her. Like this has been going on for probably years now. Who knows how long it's been? Yeah, exactly. Who knows how many times he's had to do this? He must have looped at least thousands of times. Seriously, amazing. That's crazy. <laughs> Ama- amazing. <laughs> Through a large number of loops, she trains Cage, in some instances, killing him over his protest when he is seriously injured so that he will resume the loop. Cage and Vertaski improve their combat skills and progress on the beach during the invasion, but despite their efforts, they both keep dying and Cage remains stuck in his loop. Cage becomes attracted to Vertaski, and watching her die in repeated loops starts to take an emotional toll on him. During one loop, believing the fight is pointless, Cage decides not to meet Vertaski and instead goes to London and stops in a pub. There, Cage sees the Mimic's next step in its attack, 
a large-scale amphibious assault on London, in which Operation Downfall forces are destroyed. Cage is killed in London, and Vertasky and Cage work on a plan to get off the beach. After numerous loops, they make their way inland towards the Omega. Cage finally experiences a vision, showing the Omega hiding deep inside a dam in Germany. Vertasky and Carter believe the visions are due to Cage being exposed to an Alpha Mimic's blood. They believe the Omega can manipulate time and perception. Cage and Vertasky focus their efforts on surviving the invasion at the beach and getting inland to Germany. After multiple failures and deaths, Cage and Vertasky finally make it inland. During the repeated attempts, Cage develops an attraction to Vertasky and he slowly gathers details about her. In one loop, Vertasky tells Cage that she had a boyfriend at Verdun, who she watched die 300 times until she could no longer loop and he was dead for good. After they find a helicopter at a farmhouse, Vertasky realizes Cage is trying to coax her to stay in the farmhouse while he goes alone and confronts Omega. Cage admits they have looped to the farmhouse multiple times already, but every single time, Vertasky dies. So he's trying to prevent her from dying again by going alone. Shocked and offended, she intentionally gets them killed. Zing. Okay. So we start off this uh, this sequence with a, a classic training montage. Um, you know, he's they have like this like whole setup that they've made of like spinning drones. Yeah, and, uh, that are supposed to. These are very violent. Yeah, you could die in there. I mean, I guess you have to be prepared for anything. But he's getting his ass whooped, breaking his back, breaking his legs. Yeah, and um, you know, he doesn't want to break his legs. He wants to get the part. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> I'm not gonna break my legs. I'm gonna get the part. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, and she just has to be like, all right, I'm going to just pop one right in your head every time this happens. That way we can uh, start over. I, I'm like, oof, again, again with the exhaustion. The exhaustion. But also, I really like these scenes of uh, Vertasky killing him because it's just so different, you know, from what we're used to seeing the heroes being in these type of movies. And so for her right. to be so, and she's so detached, like... She can easily yeah, do this super- because she knows what it what what it's about, what to expect. She knows it'll start it yeah. over. So she's very confident in this approach, but it's like almost like shocking when she does it. You're like, whoa. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's so cold that she can just walk up and just be like, nope, this is what he's like and he's like pleading. He's like, please, no, like please, I can do this. And she's like, Nope, sorry. <laughs> she's like, What the fuck injured, was that? Useless. You fucking suck. <laughs> I think she's enjoying it. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Why not? You know, she's probably like getting out some aggression. Okay, here's my thing though. He keeps going back and he keeps learning more about her every time. And to me, it's like when he reveals different things that he knows about her, that's kind of like violating. Especially because he starts to develop feelings for her by getting to know I her know. time after time. But she's new to this every single time. So it's like... Exactly. She's, it's so it's almost like a manipulation thing in a way. <laughs> well... I thought it was really interesting, like when uh, you know they get off the beach and they uh, they're in the car, and they um, he's we're sort of learning about her past, yeah, right. But we're learning it through him. He's the one that's telling us about her past, and 
you know, I think that's such a such an interesting writing thing to have them do, where it's like, he's like, oh, I already know this. I've heard this a million times. Yeah. It's interesting, but at the same time, I kind of wish I would have gotten that narrative from her. Right. I mean, it would definitely would have been more like emotional coming from her. Like, maybe you could, like, sympathize with her more if you just heard it coming from her mouth. But um, we do find out, like, in the things that he's learned about her that she she is kind of wise to it because she lies to him about several things yeah because he's like he's like your middle name is Peyton and she's like my middle name is not Peyton (laughs) (laughs) so so I mean she's she is wise to the idea that this could be the the hundredth time that they've been in this situation yeah and it is and um, there is something that comes up later that I think it, it always gets me like, whoa, damn, that's a crazy moment. So, um, but we'll get there in a second. Okay. So, uh, so they have the training montage, and they're also uh, within the training montage. They're all he's also having to explain to her like these like step by step like moves in order for them to successfully get off the beach, and it's just like not working, and they just keep dying. They just keep dying. And um, yeah, she's stubborn. You know, like so she does feeling- not want to listen. Right, exactly. And she's like, I'm not... So he's having to do this over and over again to try to find a way to get her to comprehend what he's doing, but in a short amount of time. You know, which is like such a huge task to take on, you know? Yeah. Even even in the writing, the writing of the script. I'm like, damn, that must have... This must have been really challenging to write. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can just imagine the post-its that are like everywhere connecting with fucking yarn or whatever from, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah <laughs> all over the wall like, oh my god and then this You're goes like, wait a minute you have to go to that. your living room to get this one note yeah. to connect it with the one in the bathroom it's like oh my god yeah <laughs> oh my god you're just like Catherine zeta jonesing it through your house like <laughs> the, the laser wire yeah <laughs> <laughs> but, um yeah so all this stuff's happened so he gets this is what I always think I was like oh this is what I would do if I was stuck in a time loop like I would take some time loops and just be like I'm gonna do whatever I want yeah so he's like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to the pub it's like I'm gonna get a drink for fuck's sake who cares (laughs) what would you do kill myself what would you do hmm I would uh probably I would try to fuck different people Oh my god you're so have parties oh my god. drink have a good time yeah why yeah that's too par- yeah i mean are there parties going on i don't know you don't really we don't really get a sense of what is going on in the world no like, it seems sort of desolate like, yeah it's like is are people living normally and there's a war going on or is like the whole world stopped and everybody's just upset and sad but yeah i mean we kind of get a sense from this scene in the in the pub because everybody's just sitting there talking about the war, and then yeah, know, it's sort of spe- just like know. COVID. I mean, COVID obviously is the one thing that we have that's like kind of close to the concept of these movies, and so yeah, uh, yeah, you sit around, you talk about it, you discuss symptoms, and is it real, and is this, and you know that, and right, when the vaccination exactly. be here, when can we unmask, when you know. So I guess yeah, you just kind of right. just sit around and talk about it, and drink yeah, and drink, you just sit around it. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So I, this movie predicted the future for sure, and um, yeah, and he and Cage starts kind of spouting off what he thinks about it, and they're like, 
bitch, you're crazy. Because obviously he has a much different knowledge of it than they do. Right. Um, so uh, then he goes to, he goes outside and then we get that really terrifying scene where you see all the mimics coming up the river. <gasps> yes. Like, and just like, I was like, oh my God, they've made it to civilization. Not that they probably haven't before. It looks like they've destroyed lots of stuff. But like to actually see that initial attack is like, oh fuck, that's like really fucking scary. And and I'm like, wow, are they really just programmed to like wipe out the human race so that they can start inhabiting this earth also? This right. Planet? Well, that's what they're talking about. They're they're talking about in the pub. They're like, well, why are they here? And one guy's like, they're after minerals. They're after metal. It's like, oh, I mean, oh, okay, maybe, maybe. Are they? Maybe they need because it looks like they're like made out of metal to me yeah maybe that's so how they reproduce they like, or something who knows oh yeah yeah it's weird we don't know but it, again it is it's just like all these theories like everybody doesn't know and, but that makes them kind like, of why are they there human in a way don't you think because like if okay think about our world if we were facing some kind of existential crisis that you know was compromising our earth's ability yeah. to like to keep going would we try to yeah. go invade other planets and see what we can take and harvest from these different places? That's, that is absolutely what's going on in the world right now. Like all these rich people are saying that they're like trying to leave the planet because we're literally killing our planet right now. Like our planet is a fucked up mess. Yeah. Like we like global warming and all this shit that's happening. Like we our planet is not going to be sustainable for much longer. No, to be honest. we're running out of time. And so all these like. Right, so all these rich people are like racing to space. <laughs> yes, racing to space to get off this planet. Like, so that is absolutely something that is happening in the world right now. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, it's yeah. So yeah. this movie has a lot of real life allegory in it. Yeah. Um. So, but you're right. Yeah, it is very human. And um. But there's one thing that is a commonality in all movies having to do with extraterrestrial invasion uh-huh. is that they always have a weakness. Yes. And accord- according to Dr. Carter in this movie, humanity is the vulnerability in this one. So um, I guess we'll, well, I guess it's true. Like uh, being human and having more, I don't know if they're like, if that means like they're just so feral that they don't know how to use like, our smart human emotion or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, or it's like, because it comes from their blood that could potentially contaminate somebody who will be able to harness their power. Yeah. That's their weakness. And ultimately use it to defeat them. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, he wakes up again and he goes back to, to normal. He think he has like a different perspective on it. He's like, okay, now we, we just have to get off this beach. Like obviously like, being on the beach is not going to help us. If we can get off the <laughs> no. beach as soon as possible, like maybe we have a better chance, whatever. So he, so he and Rita get off the beach. They end up at this like sort of abandoned carnival. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, they killed the cast of Greece. We go together like grandma. And um, so this whole sequence sort of feels kind of horror to me. Like this like abandoned creepy carnival setting with like, there's also like a farmhouse that's sort of abandoned. 
and oh and you know there's just like that ant- that anticipation of something's coming like these people are obviously the hunted and there are hunters out there and he's like i he's like there's like he knows for a fact obviously from having been there before um he's like you know there's a, another mimic buried over there just waiting to get us and so it's like that silent deadly killer thing i was like oh this is sort of um lives in the horror realm to me this whole sequence because they're sort of treading lightly because they they could pop out at any time yeah and it, and it, it's but it's in a new it's kind of in a new fresh way because one of the characters knows what's going to happen and the rest of us don't yeah. which is really kind of cool yeah totally totally and um we in this sequence we really get to see like his growth as far as like a like combat goes like yeah. those things show up and he just lights them up. There's like, they're like driving in that car and he gets out and he uses guns and just blows that one away. That's attached to the trailer. Yeah. That he knew that she would forget. And he reminded her, he's like, you're going to forget to detach the trailer. And she's like, I forgot to detach the trailer. <laughs> he's like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to light this up and light this motherfucker up and um, we'll be on our way. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, uh, I, <laughs> this is behind the scenes thing, right? Where like this, this must be the van. That she crashed, Emily Blunt. Oh yeah! Apparently she crashed a, a van into a tree or something. Yeah, I guess they they needed this sort of specific motion, and they told her, you know, like turn the turn the wheel right, like as hard as you can. And I guess she did it on the wrong mark and ended up hitting a tree Ooh. on Tom Cruise's side. Almost killed him. Oh, <laughs> could you imagine if Emily Blunt killed Tom Cruise <laughs> during a movie filming? During a movie, that would be insane. Then it would be the curse I mean, of think, Edge of Tomorrow, like like Twilight yeah, Zone. Yeah, seriously. Oh my god, the sensation around it would be just... Phenomenal. <laughs> oh yeah, just brilliant. <laughs> that would have been better than the movie. Yeah, but, <laughs> just kidding. But apparently they she, they crashed and she just they both started laughing. And so obviously it was all good. All but, is well, you know, yeah. <laughs> all is well, and... Um, they lived to uh, do more action movies. Do you know? Do you remember? I mean, we're never going to talk about Mission Impossible, obviously. But have you ever seen that video of Tom Cruise doing that stunt where he snaps his leg in half? No. Oh, bitch! It is so disgusting. He like there's like a scene where he like he's like going to jump across. Like there's like a he's jumping from like building to building. Yeah. Right. And he jumps off and he hits the building, but the way his like leg like stops him when he hits the wall in front of him his like knee bends backwards like the oh, like bends the uh, wrong way like when he hits the God. wall <laughs> Ooh, it is it is a sight to behold honestly it's it's admirable that they do their own stunts but at the same time it's like what a potentially dangerous situation especially like holding up production oh all that yeah. money <laughs> oh i know Exactly. Like all those people are now what out of work for weeks now because you you're broken. That's the point of stunt people. Yeah. Like I know like actors get a lot of shit because it's like you don't do your own stunts. Like, but it's like yeah because they're a it's a liability if they right. did their own stunts and they hurt themselves. Who's going to be the face of the movie? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Are the stunt people going to act for them? No. And honestly, if you've learned anything from listening to Fear the Talking Queers, it's that stunt doubles are fine, but the wig has to be right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that's fucking so true. (laughs) If the wig is on point, 
then we'll forgive fuck it. Fuck the rest, you know? right? Right, exactly. But don't be buying your stunt double wigs at fucking Party City or right. you know eat, uh, fucking wish.com if you don't take your ass down to the wig supply shop instead of the fucking spirit halloween store <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you don't get that good lace front then don't even bother don't fucking bother and they're out there like the <laughs> wigs are magnificent these days they are that is true so then we have this moment in the car where they're uh they're driving and we kind of talked about this before but um you, this is when we really see that she's like traumatized. Yeah. Like, and she's like traumatized to the point where she is pretty detached. Like, she even makes a comment where she's like, you know what? At the end of the day, she's like, it's just war. And it's like, whoa, girl. Like, to, nor- to, to people who aren't traumatized, like, a sentence like, it's just war is like insane but for somebody who is like this this is her life she's seen like the worst of the worst right Right. she's seen people die hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times people a man she was in love with she saw him die almost 300 times right and she's sort of just this empty shell now like she is like she's sort of just like defined by her role as a soldier right you know like and that's in so when this next moment happens um, we actually see him kind of crack through her vulnerability and um, you know he's like sort of a, he's like tr- in this, it's in this moment where they're in the farmhouse and he's trying to convince her to not go with him or not to start the helicopter because he's like you know he doesn't tell her but he knows that she's going to die because it's happened before yeah. and this moment is really weird because um he obviously hasn't told her how far he's gotten before in this scenario. Right. And there's that moment where he's obviously keeping it a secret from her and then she catches on and she kind of has this crazy moment where she's like, wait a minute. She's like, how many times have we been here? And he's like, I don't remember how many times he said, but he's like a, a lot pretty much, you know? And she, you know, and it's almost like her not being in the know. Like she's like sort of at the mercy of what he tells her and she kind of freaks out obviously yeah and then um then she ends up you know causing this the same scenario to happen where they die but before she dies i think she kind of realizes that he was actually concerned about her well-being and like as as what we've seen before like the soldiers in this movie are just they're meaningless to to people like they're just a number you know right and like you know just how as easily as he was tossed to the to the front line like so was she like you know and and so she's probably only defined herself as a soldier now she's not no longer a human but for him to like care so much about whether she lives or dies i think that really cracks her vulnerability and that's when she like you know she tells him her real middle middle name you know before she dies in that moment and you know i think just seeing somebody actually care for her well-being um it it, like was able to get her to touch her like own humanity again but this first time she's like no not buying it and she still crashes that fucking (laughs) helicopter (laughs) yeah Right. Well, exactly. But at that I think, point, I think she's just having like a. It's like she's just having oh. a strong emotional reaction. Right. But at that point, it's like when she doesn't listen to him once again, and she crashes that helicopter. 
I would have done what he does in the next part where it's like, I'm, I, I, you know what? I'm just like not going to ask her next time. Right. First of all, I don't want to see her die <laughs> hundreds of times. And then uh, not only that, but it's like, she's fucking up my whole shit. Like she's not listening to me. And it's like, every time we get to a point where she doesn't want to listen and then she fucks <laughs> it up for me <laughs> and I'm trying to get this over with. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, why don't we get into that next, to that next section? Cage eventually succeeds in making it to the German dam alone, but finds nothing and is almost captured by the mimics before he manages to drown himself. In the next loop, Cage, Vertasky, and Carter put the pieces together and figure out the visions. Vertasky's success in Verdun was all a ruse by the Omega Mimic. The Omega had let the humans win at Verdun in order to lure the humans into invading Europe, where all the human armies would be ambushed and annihilated. With no other leads, the device Carter made, which got him fired, is their last chance. Vertasky and Cage switch focus to getting the device, which is at Whitehall in a safe in General Brigham's office. They infiltrate the Ministry of Defense and after numerous loops, persuade Brigham to give him the transponder. Brigham relents and gives him the transponder before sending troops after them as they attempt to escape by car. As they escape, Vertasky stabs the transponder into Cage's leg, and Cage sees the true location of the Omega, deep under the Louvre Museum in Paris. As they attempt to escape from the Allied headquarters, their car is stopped by a soldier in a mechanical jacket, and the airbag knocks out Vertasky before she can kill Cage. Cage awakens strapped to a hospital gurney under arrest. He sees that he's receiving a blood transfusion and realizes that he can no longer loop in time. Vertasky helps Cage escape, but without the ability to loop in time again, and only several hours before the doomed invasion, Cage decides to recruit the Misfit J-Squad to help them get to Paris. Cage's now intimate knowledge of J-Squad and Vertasky's credibility convinces J-Squad to accompany them. They steal an aircraft and fly to Paris. They're just like the bling ring. They just want to go to Paris. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They just want to go to Paris's and take some shit. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, so like we were saying before, I think Cage is like, well, maybe, maybe it's about not involving her in the first place. Yeah, maybe she's just I slowing mean, the process down. Yeah, I mean, there's like, they're like infinite possibilities. So like, to try to make it make sense, maybe the best way isn't to bring her along. Like, I don't know, but it's weird. And, I, and this kind of has me questioning something like the idea of like fate. Okay. Like, is fate involved here? Like, it, like I think about like when he goes back and he like talks to like the J Squad and things like that. Yeah. Like no matter what, even if he changes the dialogue, they still always end up kind of saying what they were originally going to say. Yeah. Right? Nothing like, ever really. He never really affects his surroundings to the point of totally changing what's going to happen. Right. Exactly. So I'm like, is there a sense of fate involved here? Like. Does she have to go along in order for this to, to to work? Like, is she involved in this process? Like, is no matter what, she always going to die? I don't know. Like, it, it's, I don't know. It sort of brings up it. Like, do the aliens control fate? I don't know. That's a hot, that's a high thing I wrote down for sure. Yeah. <laughs> or because, yeah, exactly. It's like, or because you keep going back, are you in control of your own fate? Like, at one point when I was watching this, I was like, right. is the commentary here that never give up? <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're in control of your own destiny. Yeah, absolutely. Like you have the power to change it if you're given a million chances. Yeah. Reaching in and fixing some (laughs) of those, you know, blisters and scars from your past and 
moving forward. <sighs> yes. Yes. And also, like, you're you're more than you ever expect you can be. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Like, like you can be... Just because you think that you can't do something doesn't mean you can't with uh, hard work. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh... I mean... Absolutely. Look at me. I will never pass. For the perfect bride. Oh my god. This is the story of, Mul- of Mulan. I almost said Mulan Rouge. Of Mulan. Oh. <laughs> it's musical day here at Fear the Talking Queers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, so he's like, fine, I'm going to go do this alone. So he uh, actually makes it pretty far. He makes it all the way to Germany yeah. to this dam but, that he saw in his vision. But the difference is that he's very jaded now. Like he's letting people die around yeah. him. Like the J squad like, is still I, getting crushed. I, yeah, he's like, Ugh, whatever. I can't like. There's no. I can't be concerned about everybody. You know. Yeah. So like, there are a few casualties. I'm saving the world. Yeah, I'm saving the world. Like you know, you had to crack a few eggs to make an omelet. <laughs> so (laughs) so he he makes it to this dam and who is back 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 again it is the alpha and he's like surprise bitch bet you thought you seen the last (laughs) me and um (laughs) that walk-in closet Uh, i need that (laughs) i love that whole monologue (laughs) oh my god it's so good um and uh obviously he he doesn't he doesn't survive this one but he realizes that the omega has fucking switched it up on him did the whole bait and switch right he's like it's like you know like when you're like trying not to hang out with your weird friend and you like tell them like oh we're going here but you end up somewhere else and you're like oh i forgot to tell you (laughs) it's that situation yeah oops Oops, the Omega is such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Omega Beta Zeta. Uh, Omega Beta Zeta. Um, <laughs> so then he's like, okay, wait, no. Now we got to go and get this device. Like, they've figured out that uh, Dr. Carter had created this, advi- this device that's going to get, you know, it's going to help them. Because he has the mimic blood in him. Yes. And they're like, well, it was only going to work if you stabbed it into a mimic. And he's like, well, I'm at this point fucking part mimic yeah i have the blood and they're like well maybe it'll work on you so they're like great so they go back to the beginning where we're all started at that um the ministry of defense and uh you know he he confronts uh brigham and uh with rita which is awesome i love that she's kind of like his bodyguard in this situation she's just like She's Hang, like hanging in the back with the gun. Get the fuck back. Don't get near your desk. Yeah. She's holding that gun up like she's yeah. going to blast that ass. Hell yeah. And we love to see it because that is women power right there. Yes. I, I Yeah, I love her character in this. I think it does wonders for women in action movies. Oh, totally. Um, so then they, you know, they finally get the device. And um, I kind of like, I like this scene a lot because... Again, we we think it's the first time he's been there, but then we come to find out throughout the scene that he's like, nah, like this is we've been here several, several, several times. Here, and for some that. reason, I can't figure out what it is that's going to convince you to open that safe and give me that device. And finally, he does it. And it, and this is kind of exciting for us as an audience because we're like, oh shit, we now we know that he's. That he's been there before, but he's never gotten this far. And now he's gotten this far. 
now he's at the mercy of whatever happens next, you know? Right. And we're like, oh shit, okay, what what's going to happen now? And so, uh, you know, they have a big escape moment and then <laughs> the fucking shit hits the fan when all of a sudden they are they're caught and he's getting a blood transfusion and oh. it's like no but at the same time like not gonna lie once he like couldn't once we knew that he was getting the blood transfusion couldn't reset the day i was like finally <laughs> fine i mean yeah that's true it's like okay now there, no more relying on that body oh my god stop stop relying on that time loop you know it's uh, so it's like it's now it's do or die for them like there's no going back and uh so he's gonna have to figure this shit out yeah it's and um, but honestly it's a win-win situation you either save the world or you don't and you die and you don't have to worry about it and you (laughs) and it's not your problem anymore (laughs) I mean that's true. That's you're not wrong. It's a win-win. <laughs> and so uh, they're like, okay, great. Now we gotta figure out how to make it to the Louvre. And I'm like, the Omega has really sophisticated taste, right? She's like, he's like, I'm gonna go hang out at the fucking Louvre, um, and <laughs> you know, admire the art, admire the Mona Lisa. Like, I hope that's still okay, right? That <laughs> <laughs> it's not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck. Um, yeah, and then it's time for Emily to make it to Paris. Yes. Finally. So she didn't in Devil's Prada. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Oh, but you know what? When they asked the J Squad to help them get there, I'm like, you know what? The J Squads truly are the heroes of the story to me. But at the same time, when they approach them and he's like explaining to them what's happening, what's going on, what they need to do. And then he, and then he's like, I don't expect you to listen to me. I expect you to listen to her. And then here comes Rita around the corner, full metal bitch. Yeah. Strutting in. Uh, like, no, I'm like, wow. She was like, really bow down outside the door waiting for her cue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, okay, stand here. Like, I'm going to introduce you. Okay. Yeah. But don't come out until it's, until I say this part. Yeah. She's like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. he's like, I don't expect you to listen to me. I expect you to listen to her. Listen to her. To her. Yeah, I said, <laughs> and her. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Here she goes. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. And yeah, I kind of like this. Like they have this like little ragtag crew of, uh, you know, misfits. Misfits, if you will. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I do, and I enjoy them. And honestly, without the time loop, would they have been able to save the world without them? No, they are the people. No. Right. Exactly. And it's it's kind of funny because I think for the majority of the movie, we see them as like these like heartless clowns, sort of clowns but uh you know you start to realize that even heartless clowns have something to offer (laughs) and we've come to find out it's their lives because they literally all sacrifice their lives for um the sake of humanity yeah which is um, but with the thought of that is sad okay okay i guess we're getting used to that point okay oh yeah but uh okay so why don't we just finish this off then okay once in the vicinity of the Louvre, the mimics attack their aircraft 
They must avoid killing the Alpha Mimic guarding the Omega because that will cause the Omega to reset time. So all the team members are told to take one for the team, that is to accept death, and not try to kill any Alpha Mimic in case they find themselves with one face to face. In the ensuing firefight, half of J-Squad are killed. Cage, Vertasky, and three remaining J-Squad members decide to use the remaining engine power to slide the aircraft into the Louvre. Once inside, they plan to use grenades to destroy the Omega. The rest of J-Squad sacrifice themselves in the slide, and Cage and Vertasky make it into the museum. Once there, Vertasky tells Cage she will distract the Alpha Mimic while he attempts to drop a belt of grenades onto the Omega which is underwater, deep under the Louvre. Vertasky tells him that neither of them will survive the ordeal, and kisses him, telling him that she wishes she had more time to get to know Cage better. Does she, though? I don't know. Does she? I don't know. It's <laughs> weird. Be- like This is the only moment of her character that I'm like, she wouldn't do that. <laughs> Seriously. Why is she going to kiss him? She just... She just met him. She anyway. uh, literally, she just met him. That see, that's that's the part of the story that bothers yeah. me. Okay, yeah, because it's like he has obviously been around her a lot, but she's only just met him. I don't think that she would kiss this man. No. and be like, I wish. Yeah, like I think that kind of that's a little bit of like a character fault. Sets character. her character. Her, yeah, sets yeah. her character back like just a little bit because yeah. it's like, why did was that necessary? Exactly. Didn't need that from her. Yeah, I don't like that storyline. Maybe it was just like a ceiling of their fate, like, you know. Sort of like cabin fever when they know they're going to die, so they just start fucking each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what I would do in this moment, too. <laughs> yeah. Vertasky leaves to distract the Alpha Mimic, and Cage dives underwater to find the Omega. After a brief chase, the Alpha catches and kills Vertasky. The Omega senses Cage and dispatches the Alpha to kill Cage. The Alpha dives after Cage and stabs him, but before he dies, Cage pulls the grenade pins and drops the grenade belt into the Omega. The Omega explodes and dies, and all the mimics die with it. After Cage dies, the Omega's blood washes over and seeps into him, like the Alpha's blood did on the first day of the loop, and his eyes open. Cage wakes suddenly, confused, and finds himself on the helicopter en route to London on the morning before the invasion and his meeting with General Brigham. He disembarks and hears the celebratory pealing of bells. He watches a news conference during which the general announces that a huge mysterious energy blast was detected in Paris. The general says that the mimics have died and the human forces will commence a huge sweep through Europe the next day. He sees J-Squad engaging in PT at the base. Cage looks for Vertasky, and everyone treats him with respect due to him being an officer. He finds Vertasky, and she greets him with the same rudeness she has every time they meet in every loop. Cage smiles broadly. The end. I don't know why he's smiling. Ooh. I don't know why he's smiling. She bring it to you every time, Loop. <laughs> I get it! <laughs> she brings it to you every time, Loop. so um this part is this is our big climactic action finale yeah big boss battle of the of the movie and it's great one of the comments that i wanted uh, to make before was actually that all the action sequences and the combat is extremely well choreographed i think it's so good and the blocking is amazing and the special effects and everything so good blends really well there 
there was one thing that I was sort of confused about, like the abilities of the mimics. I'm like, do they shoot things? Do they shoot projectiles? Because I was wondering, I was like, what what is what happened to the plane like in the beginning that he was on? Like, why did it explode? Yeah, or like, or, it does, like we don't. Yeah, where, like you know what I'm saying. And where are these like bombs coming from? When these like big yeah, like flames? do they shoot these things? Yeah, do they have guns? Like, or do they shoot them from their mouths? Are they like this, or something? Are, like, or are they um, sort of like a mimic? Or are they doing that in response to the suits they're wearing? Because the suits kind of do that. They kind of have these, like we see. Yeah, um, right. We didn't really talk about yeah. it, but we see like early on um, for Tasky, her suit sort of has these like wings that pop up and then they go forward yeah. and they shoot things. And it sort of seems like the mimics are able to do that as well. So I'm like, is that something they developed over all of these time loops? Right, exactly. But And then... So I was kind of confused at the beginning, but it looks like in this scene that they do... Sh- like, they not douche wow they do (laughs) shoot uh (laughs) they do shoot some sort of projectile again we never see what they're coming from but we do see that they that things are flying in the air yeah so i'm like well that's inconvenient for them like but it's weird because we never see them on the ground shooting things we just see them using their tentacles and their you know tasmanian devil skills to kill everybody exactly so kind of interesting i was like oh wow so they even that's also scary that they shoot things like what is their weaponry like though i wish there was a little more clarification well did you know that the that um, the suits that the that the humans are wearing are actual like based on like real things they're developing oh fuck yeah i mean good the de- i mean is that good i don't know the defense advanced research projects agency is actually building armor like this for militaries and the across oh the God. world yeah and that's what the that the movie when doing the research for that found that information and was able to develop this for the movie based on that design wow hey well look out for the new collection <laughs> <laughs> and with the way things are going it'll be in the spring summer collection of 2022 <laughs> yeah, I hear Calvin Klein is coming out with the collection. They're going to be tailored. Louis Vuitton. <laughs> Louis Vuitton is coming Louis out. Vuitton. <laughs> oh my God, imagine. A Louis, a Louis Vuitton a combat jacket. Yeah, Clay has their own Clay. design. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we have this big, big fucking fight. Of course, it's raining. You got to add just a little more element of... Uh, to drama some sort of element to yeah drama to uh you know just getting our heroes this way and yeah these like i said we said j squad they're they were always fated i guess to to not make it because uh they've sacrificed themselves left and right in order to successfully complete the mission but that's what we said earlier like there are some people who's who just want to fight in the war and dying in war is a great honor to them. Yeah. So. It, it, this is crazy, too, because by this point, we know that time's not going to reset. So anyone who dies in this moment of time yeah. is not coming back. Like, this is it for them. Yeah. Yeah, they're done. And so... So it's sad. It's kind of crazy. It's sad. Like, and they... But they, they're doing what they think is best for the earth that they love so much. <laughs> right. Apparently, um, the world is worth saving. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So, um, they like crash this this plane into the Louvre, and s- somehow, you know, Cage flies out of the plane and rolls. He's getting dipped into like, water, and then he rolls. Yeah. 
but my god i was like the way he flew out i was like he would be broken his oh, body would be this would be the end mangled. of the movie like yeah. i was like yeah i would be like oh like all, all this and all he gets is whiplash i don't think so oh my god exactly <laughs> yeah like okay sure all right he's been so easily breakable in every other scene but this one nah he's he's good yeah he can survive that He's like, I've adapted, so, but, like I said, but maybe he has yeah, adapted. Like, what if he has? Maybe <gasps> maybe he learned how to tuck and roll. Maybe ah! she, in w- one of her trainings, she was like, if you are ever, you know, shot out of a plane. This is how you do, do this. It. And you'll, yeah, this is how you prop, this is the proper technique. You tuck under. <laughs> well, you know, because when he was hitting that water, I was like, he was riding that thing. He was riding the wave. Oh my god, like a like a like a stone. He's all. Psh, psh, psh. Yeah, he's like. Psh, yeah. Psh, psh, psh. Just <laughs> his his ass just touching the surface of the water. He just scoot Ooh. scooting along. Ah! Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, but he's like full badass now. And you know what, Rita? She's always been a full badass, and so yeah. the two of them are there to take down these fucking mimics right right and um and yeah and i i bet in this moment like he's probably feeling something he hasn't been used to feeling in a while which is fearing death yeah like they have this sort of sentimental moment where they are sort of saying their final goodbyes and and she sort of tells them she's like look like neither of us make it out of this situation like just know that yeah like mm. there's no way we're gonna live and then she kisses and him. that's probably <laughs> Yeah, and then she kisses him, which we yeah, which we hate. We've already discussed. That we're like, meh. <laughs> but also, not, not um, my favorite character moment. It's not my favorite character moment, but also Tom Cruise didn't know it was going to happen. I guess there were like some new script pages, and he hadn't read the stage direction, so he only gathered his oh. lines. And so she kissed him, and in the filming of it, he was like, "What? what? Like she's like improving?" <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you're just going off script now. You're an actress. She's like, no, it was in the script. I didn't just make that up. <laughs> yeah, ew. What you think? Want to kiss your your tooth like that? Because <laughs> after it happened, she was like, <laughs> like wiping her mouth. Oh my god. Oh my god. The spit bucket. All... <laughs> Imagine. Um, but yeah, but he's probably like that. Just her being like, look, we're not going to make it out. That's probably like a feeling he hasn't felt in a while of thinking like, oh, yeah, this is it. If I die, this is this is it. But um, we've enjoy come this your far, worthless so no human blood. Yeah, exactly. So there's no turning back, and he goes in there, and they win. <laughs> you know, of yeah. course, it's like he defeats the he, omega. He, the, he de- they defeat the omega, and it's like, woo! Yay. All the mimics just die instantly. That's probably so weird. I, like they just drop dead. To think that, oh yeah, that's like, and the war is over, everything's dead. Like, okay, great. Now what do we do? And that is what we call mitochondria. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my god. And that is science. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then like, the war is over, and uh, we're like, oh, he's dead because he gets stabbed. Yeah. In the water. And um, but then the Omega blood just washes over him and seeps into his pores like oil belay. Which is a beautiful moment. I actually really like this. I think it's really yeah. well done. I think it was really pretty. Um, this is a yeah. great visual to have in the movie. No, totally. Yeah. And then he uh, wakes back up and he is back in that damn helicopter. 
but yeah, which is further back than where we started, like or like where the time loop usually starts. Usually, it starts when he's already at, uh, yes. you know, the 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 Heathrow Airport. But um, now he's back even further. It's where we first met him. Yeah, and all of a sudden the war is over, and I'm like, I want like, I wonder what that is like. This part is like sort of unclear to me, like what the it's, it's confusing what the explanation is. But when you brought up the topic of fate, I'm like, whoa, right? What if the Omega now knowing what it knows because it was able to absorb that information from him as well? Maybe it's like a give take thing with the blood, like his blood got on it and its blood got on him, and now it knows what's happened and how to redo it, how to fix it. Right. So now like, they set I, him even further back down a different fate path. So is he going to be able to ex- access the things that he's able to access? Or... I don't know. Oh, happen? maybe. Maybe. Or is it like he now has the power of the Omega, which is to, you know, control time. So maybe he was able to send himself back even further, but still with the fate with, but now the, the mimics are dead. And, but he was able to use that power to go back in time. I don't know. It's oh, like, maybe I think I, he, I feel like he must have the power of the Omega now, just like he had the power of the alpha, like just reset time. Yeah. Uh, maybe the, the Omega having the Omega blood allows him to choose when, to show up in time again you know yeah i don't know i don't know it's it, it, it is, is confusing. It's sort of left unclear it's just sort of left unclear what it is that the omega blood actually did because we are now back in time but also sort of in the future where the mimics are dead so it's yeah it's it's so it is an interesting ending but, well apparently um, it's I'm all supposed it. to be explained in some sequel that's still in development we know it hasn't started filming we know that there's not a completed script but there's just this idea that it will return for a sequel like it was a confirmed sequel but we still haven't gotten it yet and apparently do you know what it's going to be called it's called live die repeat and repeat again or something like that. yeah it's called live die repeat and repeat <laughs> <laughs> I hope they change that. Well, this mo- I hope they change. Well, this movie is this movie had a really interesting um, marketing moment, which I don't know if you read this, but uh, the movie is called Edge of Tomorrow, right? But on some of the marketing, they wrote the tagline, which is "Live, Die, Repeat," but they made the font bigger than the, the name, name of, of the movie. movie. Yes, and and then I think I don't know if like. G- distributors got confused and were like oh the name of the movie is live die repeat well i and somehow i rented this movie on youtube and when it started it was like live die repeat colon edge of tomorrow i was right, like which what? i think is some i think somehow they're like whatever let's just this is gonna be too confusing people don't know what this movie's called let's just combine them so it just ended up being live die repeat edge of tomorrow oh what I'm a like, mess okay, sure what a mess. Birds of Prey and the fabulous so emancipation of one Harley Quinn. <laughs> yes. <laughs> dies, repeats, and dies again. And uh, yeah, crazy. So, um, but yeah, so then, then we get kind of a happy ending where Cage goes and finds Rita and she's, I don't know, maybe they can fall in love. I don't know. What's 
what's the next step for them? And that's always been my question throughout is like, okay, well, he knows this much about her and he knows that he can, has the potential to really fall in love with her at this point, but she doesn't know that. And because they're not in a life death situation, are they going to work? Is she going to fall for him? I hope he, I hope he just leaves her alone to be honest. But he doesn't. That's how it ends. He goes and approaches her and he's smiling and she's like, what the fuck do you want? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she's like, who the hell are you? Who the fuck said Leave you could alone. talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> all right. And all right. So, and that's Edge of Tomorrow. All right. So, what are your final thoughts? My thoughts are this movie's a little long. <laughs> but, oh my God. but I think that just because when we have this concept of repeat, 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 it just feels longer. But um, I think it has great action. Yeah. Um, I think that it's very visually stunning. There are really great performances. It has everything. It has car crashes, alien battles, helicopter crashes. You know, I think it has everything that an action movie needs. I think it's a prime example of an action movie, um, especially a sci-fi action movie. And like, this could be a ride or a video game. Yeah. It's just very thrilling. Totally. But I, I I, feel like it's extremely underrated and maybe more people do need yeah. to watch this movie. I don't know what set it back. I don't know if it was the marketing of the title or whatever, but I had yeah. never even heard of this movie before you proposed it for the show. So, and I think it's really worth a watch. Will I ever watch it again? Maybe not. This is just in my wheelhouse of like movies that I'm attracted to. But I I, I right. really enjoyed it. And I think that it's a great action ride and um, extremely great example of a sci-fi and an action adventure movie. Totally. Yeah, I think this is... For me, this is like one of the best sci-fi films I can think of in like recent memory to come out. I think it's... I think it's one of Tom Cruise's like best movies for sure. And like... Because, you know, he does... I mean, he, I don't think Tom Cruise delivers bad movies ever i think they're always like oh that was great that was like a great tom cruise film but this one i think stands out just a little bit more Uh as being like well written and well done i think um i think that i like we talked before i love that him having the opportunity to like have a full character arc where we get to see some growth and things like that for him i love that um i think it's a cool and original take on the time loop subgenre. yeah totally i think it's full of really great twists and surprises um it's honestly like not super predictable which is funny considering like the context of the film like right we've seen this a hundred times over and over yeah right exactly but it's actually not very predictable i think it's it is pretty fresh and and exciting and then also, I think the character of Rita Vertasky is like a really strong feminist hero, minus the kiss scene, um, <laughs> who doesn't need a man to hold her hand through the fight. She's, in fact, it's the opposite. He needed her. And I think that is exactly. uh, a great, I think that's a really strong character for females to look up to, uh, sorry, women to look up to. And uh, I don't know. I love it. I think, I think this is a great movie. So, uh, all right. Give me your rating out of five. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say, like, taking myself out of it, my personal tastes, um, just from what it is in the genre, I would give it a four and a half out of five. Nice. Yeah. I would also give it a four and a half out of five. Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's, it's great. awesome. It, it's um, really good. awesome. Yeah. If you're looking for, like, a solid sci-fi action film, um, you know, in the in the vein of something like Aliens, like, I think this is definitely 
should be on your list for totally, sure. Totally. Yay, we did. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh my God. We reached we the end it. of tomorrow. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Is it tomorrow already? <laughs> <laughs> it's the next day, bitch. <laughs> All right. Yes. Thank you for joining us on um, our this journey of the edge of tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're just going to plug our social media. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. We are at Fear the Talking Queers. You can you need to check out all of our new like marketing stuff. Like the work Frankie has done is so good on it. Thank um, you. Oh, we, we need all we need all the love. Oh, and if you're listening this far, that means that you're a true fan because you know normally people will turn it off at this point. But there's something I haven't even told Jake about Fear the Talking Queers that I'm kind of excited about. Oh my god. Well, you know, we've been kind of like, um, and, you know, like, throwing around the idea of possibly bringing back merch and like things like that. I started uh working on these new designs and I'm like, they're (gasps) so cute. Oh my gosh, merch is on its way back, y'all. I know, but it has to be Jake approved. So none of the designs I'm ready to show you, Jake. So I'm like, okay, I need to wait until, but that's just like a little nice little special announcement to like, you know, look toward the future. Look toward the edge of tomorrow. (laughs) Yes, because tomorrow, tomorrow, you'll wear a t-shirt tomorrow. (laughs) You're only a day from being fabulous (laughs) (laughs) and gay. (laughs) (laughs) So um, also don't forget, like we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, make sure you go to fearthetalkingqueers.com where you can see all the information about us. You can learn a little bit about us. You can play games. uh, You can have wallpapers for your phone. Lots of fun stuff there. So make sure you check out FearTheTalkingQueers.com. Yes. But for now, all we have to say is sweet screams, bitch. Bye.